The mysterious absence of Jordan Peterson is finally getting a few answers. We'll take a look. Also, what's going on with David Crowder? Yet another celebrity B-lister is trying to get his attention via social media. You may remember we talked Gary Busey. There's another 80s rock star that wants to get a hold of the crowd, or we'll tell you more. And finally, we take a look at one passer's problematic response to the corona pandemic and try to find a better way. That's all ahead. This is Relevant Daily. It's Relevant It's Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Carey. Welcome to Relevant Daily, where we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All those stories are coming up, but first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by our church leadership podcast, Called. Each week on Calls, we talk with church leaders, pastors, writers, influencers, and activists to talk about how pastors around the country and around the world can have a bigger impact in their communities and their congregations. You'll hear from voices like Julia Veach, John Eldridge, Rob Hoskins, Eugene Cho, Rebecca Lyons, N.T. Wright, Darius Daniels, Kim Walker-Smith, Boz Stravidian, Max Lucado, Christine Kane, and a ton of others. Now, we're not only covering topics like outreach and ministry, but also things like soul care for pastors and how people in church leadership can protect their own marriages. If you're in ministry or someone you know is, make sure to recommend them checking out Called. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. It's called Called from the Relevant Podcast Network. All right, to tell us about today's stories, it's our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, how's it going, man? Hey, Jesse, it's going okay. Tyler, uh, this morning you did an interesting deep dive on the absence of Jordan Peterson, which it seems like it's finally getting some explanation. You know, there's some rumors going around about what happened to him on Reddit. But before we jump into, you know, kind of what's been uncovered recently, maybe just start by reminding our listeners who Jordan Peterson is. Yeah, so it has been a couple of years since he was really in the zeitgeist, but uh, for a while there, he was a real phenomenon. He's a Canadian psychology professor who was at one point described as the most influential public intellectual in the Western world, and he'd acquired a really devoted, uh, kind of male-skewing fan base for his, uh, at times, controversial remixes of like Jungian philosophy, and he had a bestseller, 12 Rules for Life, which was sort of an ode to self-reliance and stoicism. He could be a little bit cagey on questions of religion, but he didn't express an admiration for the Bible. And he developed a pretty strong following among a lot of Christians, including a lot of relevant readers, as we discovered in some of our own writing about him. But then kind of at the peak of all of this, he essentially vanished without much of a trace from uh, social media and really all public uh, appearances. And and part of the reason that was surprising is he had a pretty prolific output. I mean, in addition to his book, he did a, a a regular podcast. He was known for his YouTube lectures and he was interviewed, you know, he's part of the, the kind of what has been deemed. I think the New York times deemed it the modern intellectual dark web guys like Joe Rogan Mm. and Sam Harris, who are on all these podcasts and typically appear on each other's, but all of a sudden, yeah, he just vanished from all those circles. But now we're starting to get a little bit of the story of what happened and where he's been. A little bit. So his daughter, her name is Michaela. She's 28 years old. She is a sort of a food blogger. She's a proponent of a, let's say, a questionable diet. Uh, And she posted a YouTube video saying her father had been put into a medically induced coma at an unnamed clinic in Russia. According to her, Peterson had developed a physical dependence on the drug clonazepam. And the coma was uh, either a part of or a reaction to 
two, his plan to go cold turkey on that. Michaela said her father had nearly died as part of the ordeal. It's a very strange story. There's a lot we still don't know about it. The New Republic has pieced together info from Michaela's YouTube videos and some podcast interviews to come up with a loose theory and timeline of the events. Seems that back in 2017, Peterson was described clonazepam, uh, that's a benzo, by a family doctor as a way of treating his anxiety. The prescription was increased after Peterson's wife was diagnosed with kidney cancer, and Peterson then found himself unable to stop taking the drug without experiencing withdrawal symptoms. Uh, it's important to note here that there is a difference between physical dependence and addiction. Michaela has really stressed that her father suffered from the former uh, physical dependence on these, uh, noticing when there are withdrawals if you stop taking them, and that is distinct from being actually clinically addicted to something. Yeah. So, Tyler, at that point, he decided to go to Russia to mm -hmm. seek treatment. Tell us about that decision. And that's where things get a little unclear, the exact whys of this. So in the U.S., the medically recommended treatment for weaning patients off of benzos usually takes several months with doctors slowly decreasing the dose of benzos at regular intervals. Now, the working theory here is that Peterson wanted a faster treatment and an unnamed Russian clinic was the only spot he could find that would agree to it. Then, it seems, his body either had a frightening reaction to the treatment that required a medically induced coma, or maybe the coma itself was part of the treatment. We, we really don't know here. We're guessing. Uh, it's unclear what any of this really means for Peterson's personal or professional future, but it is a reminder of how complex and dangerous these drug problems can be, that they can affect uh, anyone. You know, th this is not a, we, we have a stereotype of the kind of person who gets hooked on benzos, who develops a dependency on them. Jordan Peterson wouldn't fall into that caricature, and it's important that we understand that, and and you know, seeking treatment is a is a is a valiant and, and praiseworthy thing to do, even if this particular treatment maybe wasn't the most medically advisable one to take. Uh, so obviously, uh, been a tough time for the Peterson family and uh, whatever our thoughts, and we certainly have some on Peterson's teachings. Uh, we definitely are, are keeping that family in our prayers here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, shifting gears here a little, <laughs> Tyler, what's going on with David Crowder? <laughs> I, I, I am baffled I by recent developments. Tell us, tell us what the latest is. Well, this has been a kind of your beat on the website, Jason. People can go there <laughs> to find some deep dive, uncomfortably deep dives into what's going you on You know, here. everyone has their own lane of investigative journalism. <laughs> you may look into the mysterious disappearance of uh, one of cultures, uh, you know, most controversial and prolific modern philosophers and delve into complex geopolitical issues and the addiction crisis. I will look at the Twitter feed of David Crowder for my investigation. <laughs> Tyler, tell him what's going on. Okay. So last week, we talked about a bizarre message that Crowder apparently received from Gary Busey, the uh, the iconic 80s. Uh, yes. He peaked, I'd say, peaked in the 80s. So far as Gary Busey's career ever peaked, it happened I, in the I 80s. Think, I think it was Point Break was probably the peak, <laughs> Busey. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and now David Crowder has shared another video message, this one from Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee. In it, uh, Lee asks Crowder to stop texting him, and he offers a profanity-laced pep talk. It is very <laughs> strange. Here is a bleeped version of that video. Yo, Crowder, stop texting me, dude, for real. I get it, bro. Listen, Mondays are the worst, but you're the best, and you got it. You got the <laughs> dude. Your boy is here to motivate you, man. Remember, 
Remember when we bought the whole Taco Bell menu? That shit was eternal. This week is yours, dude. Go get it, champ. What's up? All right. Well, you know, it's funny because on Crowder's Twitter feed, it, that follows like a clip from him playing at the recent Passion Conference, which yeah. drew 65,000 yeah. worshipers. <laughs> so it's an interesting collection of videos you got there. Tyler, what's going on here, man? Okay. So really, there's plenty of alternatives. Jesse, you came up with two theories that I find to be uh, equally, plausible. Equally, <laughs> equally plausible, but they're both plausible. Uh, so definitely possible. That Crowder has an odd group of sort of semi-celebrity best friends who just send him video message. And now he's coming clean about him. Uh, we we both know Crowder a little bit. We've talked to him. I would say that is not totally impossible. No, it's <laughs> shockingly possible. <laughs> but it is also possible that these are videos made through Cameo. That's the service that lets you have various celebs leave you custom video message. Uh, for a small, sometimes small, sometimes a little bit larger fee. Yeah. And uh, that he's sort of playing some sort of prank or trolling us via these videos. That is also possible, I would say, knowing Crowder. Uh, uh, what exactly the end game is here, I couldn't begin to guess. But we are we're going to be following this one. You, in particular, are going to be following this one rapidly until we get to the bottom of this. I refuse to give up, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, well, finally, uh, Tyler, let's. There, there was some controversy around a video. Um, that had to do with the coronavirus. It was put out by a very, very large church. I think one of the largest churches in America. Mm-hmm. Unpack unpack this and why it was significant and, and, and what the developments are since that video has been posted. Going to take a little bit of time on this. I know we're running just a little long here, but want to make sure that this is understood. So on Tuesday, Crossroads, that's a multi-site church. It's in Cincinnati. It was named the fourth largest church in America back in 2017. They released a video of their pastor, Brian Tome, cautioning people against panicking over the threat the coronavirus. The video came just a day after Ohio Governor Mike DeWin declared a state of emergency following three confirmed cases in the state. Now, Tome chastised Americans for living in what he called the land of the fear and reassured viewers that their lives would go on. Uh, He said in the video, I'm not saying people aren't dying, but they tend to be very old people and people who have significant medical problems. I just want to say you're going to be okay." And we should say that after the publication of our report on this, that video was deleted from Crossroads Twitter feed. Now, we're still learning new things about COVID-19, but early research does suggest that he is correct on this point for the majority population. COVID-19 may cause cold and flu-like symptoms that could range from fairly severe to barely noticeable, but will likely not be life-threatening. Most people will probably be okay. Uh, But his mentality here, I think, is worth scrutinizing, and that's what we want to take a look at. Uh, He's not alone in it. Uh, I saw last night conservative commentator Ann Coulter uh, likewise dismissed concerns about COVID-19, pointing out that in Italy, the average age of patients with fatal cases was 81 years old. I saw a lot of people saying, offering, especially Christians, offering sort of similar uh, responses here, especially using uh, Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, basically arguing that we don't need to be too concerned because this isn't going to affect most of us in a in a life-threatening way. 
Now, now, Tyler, obviously, you know, they're the numbers bear out that they're probably not wrong about about mm-hmm. that in terms of statistically the likelihood of healthy people getting the virus. And, you know, I want to I want to make a quick editorial distinction here. You know, on Relevant Daily, we generally try to just deliver news stories. But Tyler, I want to give you the platform a little bit. You, your family is in the medical field. I know, um, you, you know, you you have a lot of, um, you know, specific insight into this virus, but also a a spiritual perspective and i want to give you the floor for a minute and you know if you need to kind of editorialize on a larger point i think you should take that opportunity yeah okay i I appreciate that and i won't waste anyone's time hopefully but i do think that we need to take a look at the underlying assumption here which is that there's sort of a binary when it comes to faith and fear right Uh, there's a dichotomy being put in place here the communicated message intentional or not is that the people who go on living their lives with minimal disruption are living in faith but those who cancel travel plans or make arrangements to work from home or avoid large events are living in fear Uh, so living in faith good living in fear bad now it's definitely true that a spirit of fear could lead to uh, panicked chaos and doom Day prepping and that's not helpful or, or healthy it's, and it's not warranted frankly but what's striking about these messages is the dismissal of the elderly and people with compromised immune systems uh, most of us it seems are, are offered sort of the spiritual luxury of what they're saying is choosing faith over fear but then what is the biblical mandate for people who have COVID-19 or who are vulnerable to, se- to severe cases of COVID-19 uh, I, I just don't think it's biblical to allow ourselves to feel a sigh of relief that we are going to be okay uh, since we, in this case, must exclude huge numbers of our friends and family who might be more vulnerable when we instruct others not to worry about coronavirus because we will be okay. The takeaway for older folks and people with pre-existing medical issues is that you are not part of that. We, you are not us. And the biblical, the, the, the church's message historically has been that we do care about the disenfranchised. We do care about the vulnerable. We care more than the average society. Well, they are not expendable to the mission of Jesus or to the message of the church. So uh, the, the fact that this does target vulnerable populations means that the church should be more, not less concerned with taking extra steps to protect these people, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So I I hope that nobody takes this to be a a call to panic. Uh, World Health Organization has declared this a pandemic. Obviously, we need to take it very seriously. I'm not advocating for chaos in the streets. I'm advocating that we go the extra mile, that we disrupt our own lives. We do the right thing for our friends and loved ones who are counting on us to help keep them safe. Tyler, very well said, man. Thanks, Jesse. And Tyler wrote an incredible piece that is on the front page of relevantmagazine.com and will be through tomorrow uh, for some more you know, perspective on, on, on this issue that we definitely encourage people to check out and read. And remember, as always, you can uh, check out that story and everything else that we're covering over at relevantmagazine.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter and subscribe to our other podcasts. Remember, we're here every weekday bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Relevant Daily. Thank you.